Bill Kipper and Bourne. JB, I want to pick up the conversation that we left off uh, with Stewie just before yeah. the break, and that, that was around Travis Dermott and where he is right now, particularly with his development and the fight for five, six, and seven on that Toronto Maple Leaf blue line. And there seems to be a sense of frustration that we get out of, I think, Sheldon Keefe a little bit on, on wanting more. And mm-hmm. is that your 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 thoughts? Is that how you yeah. feel that th- this guy has stalled, to say yeah. the least? Well, here's my uh, my take on this. I had a junior coach who used to have this expression that was, Ahem, fornicate, fight, or hold the light. Basically, do something when you go out there. We don't care what it is you do. Just, you know, F fight or hold the light. Basically saying, you know, you need to have a role. And for Travis Dermott, what what is the role? For me, the obvious thing to do was to make him into a PK guy. He should have been PKing from the start. And it's what they did with Kasperi Kapanen. You know, Kapanen was a guy who they said, look at the depth chart for the Toronto Maple Leafs now that you're in the minors. There's all these wingers ahead of you. You're not going to make the team as an offensive player. You need to have a role. What do you do? You're going to kill penalties. They made him into a killer. Dermot has never found a niche with the Maple Leafs and therefore no. just keeps no, getting no, no, shoved no. out. That's not true. That's not true. A couple of years ago, if you look at his numbers a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. he was 20 minutes and he was killing penalties. He was Justin. He was, he was on a trajectory that was really into a top four blue liner for the Toronto Maple Leafs two years ago he was the guy that you just spoke of so they gave him the opportunity he didn't grab it and it hasn't been offered again then is is what we're saying my my sense is that in the last year year and a half something changed and I think last year Hackstall who is now the head coach of the Seattle Kraken was handling the blue line and if if you mm-hmm. quietly went and asked a, t- a few defensemen on the Toronto Maple Leafs last season, you know, off the record, what that was like, they would have they 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 tell you if they were being honest that he was a disaster on the blue line. Really? He was not. He was. He'd call up Morgan Riley, and they'd have to explain to him Morgan's on the ice. That's how bad it was. Jeez. And and he was not a Travis Dermott fan. Yeah, and his minutes suffered. So yep. you know, Stewie, before we went to break, he talked about that, right? Didn't he not mention that how th- some things can just absolutely change with the right coach or the one, the right guy that sees you in the right light, right. and how he went from Florida to Atlanta and and things changed. And we've all had those coaches, man. There's nothing that you can you can do to please, and it just seems that. Uh, Coming off of last season with Haxall as the defensive coach, it was a nightmare for Travis. Hmm. You know, the one thing I've seen is that, you know, when he was first came in, he he's a ball of fast twitch muscles, right? Like he's just fakes and jukes and cuts and all these quick movements. And I always thought, gosh, when he gets comfortable and calms, like finds a steady game, being able to be that evasive and that quick is really going to be a nice combination. But it, he's never calmed down. And so to me, that's a confidence thing. And it could speak to what you're talking about with Hackstall, that he didn't feel he had a guy who had his back if he made mistakes. And so now he's in a situation where he's got to fight back to earn ice time. He watched Justin Hall go from his D partner in the American League to now being a top four guy for a long time. And so what's happening with Lilligren passing him now, I imagine can't be great for his confidence either. They seem to be kind of at the end of their rope with this guy. Keith recently talked about him needing to take a step. Actually, could we hear that clip, Sammy? Yeah, we got that. We do have that clip so we can hear whenever you're ready. In the past, I, I don't think he's done anything other than just do what we've seen from him. I'm still waiting, and I've had this conversation with Travis to take that next step. I think right now he's still in that mix where he's competing, you know, with the Sandy Lilligrens out there. And uh, I think at this stage, you know, he wants to be a guy that's more established and is taking that step. So we're still looking for that, but certainly he brings value, you know, to our to our group in the, in the five six hole. Travis would listen to that right now. And there'd be smoke coming out of his ears. Mm-hmm. I've played 200 games in the National Hockey League. I've played over 20 NHL playoff games. Like, 
now you have me back in the race with a Timothy Lilligren. That would that would drive me nuts, Justin. I would I would hate to hear that because I know I'm way past Lilligren. Well, but that's at that point it's an ego thing because you think you're way past Lilligren, but to Sheldon Keith's point, it's show us we're waiting. We, you know, you remember in All or Nothing when Keith sat sidled up to Jimmy VC and said, "Pretty vanilla, Jim." Well, Jimmy, I guess you know, like, what, what's it going to be? And you know, from Dermot, I think I feel like he's getting that same talking to where it's like, "That's great. You think you're here? We've paid you like you're where you think you are. We don't see it on the ice. So until you give us value commensurate with what we're paying you in those minutes, you got to earn it." So he's right back in the dogfight where he was three years ago or whatever it was at the Leafs. Were you with the Marlies with the Lilligren? Uh, no, he was right after me. Have you I, seen I, an, Have you seen enough of him to decide, you know, what he is? Because I've got, I've got him as a, a tweener, mm-hmm. which is in between, yeah. in between NHL and AHL, but still not not good enough. Like, if, yeah. if, is he? What's the what's the most upside on Lilligren that he will be your sixth defenseman? And in what role is where I get hung up. So it reminds me of guys like Seth Griffin, who scores a bajillion goals in the American League, but when he comes up, he's not good enough offensively to play in your top six, and when he's in the bottom six, he's of no help to your team. So, yeah, you're better than the ton of guys in the NHL, but you don't fit in a role. So that's, a, that's what Lilligren is to me, is that, sure, maybe he's skilled enough, to be better than I don't know who's a guy in the third pair like some plotter a plotter that just cross checks guys maybe you're more talented than some of those big third pair guys but you don't do something you don't do something good enough he's not skilled enough to be an offensive guy and he's not heavy enough to be a bottom pair guy again I get hung up on this but this has been a problem with the Leafs for a while now is they've had lots of talent but the puzzle pieces haven't really been there and so he doesn't seem to fit to me either Frankly, I'd like to see Dermot play with a little bit more snarl, snarl too. He's a strong guy. He could he could do that on the bottom pair. I think with so many guys in in the lineup uh, that 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 are maybe on a on a on a line or the cusp, that's the difference, man. That's the difference and the bite, uh, the bite. And I'm with you with uh, with Travis. And I, I just remember, uh, you know, uh, Todd Gill. That that name ring a bell in the '90s for the Leafs. Here is a guy that uh, I think presented himself a lot like Travis, where he could skate, he could uh, uh, quick stick, uh, react, uh, good skater. But I tell you what, bread and butter, Todd Gill could step in and he could make people think twice about how hard they wanted to play against him, and. That's just that's just an added dynamic, and it's I get it. 2021, it's, they're they're hard to find. They're still out there, Justin. But as the Leafs have proven over the last few years, man, they're hard to find. Yeah, I wonder if that's something. And you and I have briefly had this conversation before. That could develop in a guy like Dermot. Frankly, Lilligren is not big enough to to ever do that, and not just size. Like he's just not his frame is not that someone uh, who's physically imposing. When Travis Dermot first showed up to the Toronto Marlies from junior, he's like 220 pounds. He plays at a leaner, lighter weight now than he showed up four years ago. He can put on mass and muscle and be that guy. I wonder if that's possible to learn. I think you and I mentioned before, not many guys get there, right? Like if you don't have it, you're not. That's just not who you are. Well, and I'm one to prove I was a goal scorer in junior, right? <laughs> right, but you still fought in junior too. I, I I did like that element. Yes, correct. And yeah. I did have a bit of a, a screw loose even in junior. Uh, but oh, man. So I, I'd love yeah, to maybe, know what that's maybe. like. Like what, you just fly off the handle and want to punch someone in the head? Like I just would love to know what that feels like <laughs> to get to that point. Like I just don't have it genetically where it ever happens for me. I don't know. And 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 your dad did. I, I know. He, I know. he threw the, a lot of guys scared of your dad's left. Well, it's what being I six heard. foot four, punching downhill and left handed is a pretty nice start to any fight, isn't it? And, and, and you're too nice. 
And you know how I feel about too nice sometimes. It's not good. I know. It's awful. It's 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 awful. Awful. I'm I'm working on it. I'm working on it. My daughter, uh, she says, oh, Dad, I'm really excited you're working with Jason Bourne. And I'm like, no, 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 no. He's got none of that. That's that's the guy that wants to kill people with a pencil, okay? (laughs) That's not my Bourne. Mine's really, really nice. Yeah, I used to have coaches pull me aside and just be like, "What's it gonna take? Like, what's it gonna? T- what's what makes you mad? What really, you know?" And I just, I don't know, Kipper. I just, it's not, it's not natural to me. And I, I see it in guys uh, in the NHL today where it's more acceptable to be like that because in in your era, I mean, it just didn't work. You just couldn't survive. Yeah. Well, and I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not speaking for Travis or anyone else that they. I, I would never ever, you know write someone completely off he's got a little bit of it but it's they're too far and few between that's that's the reason why he's going to be 30 and he's played less than 160 nhl career games it's because he just he wouldn't bring it every night but you know when when certain guys feel like maybe they're at a crossroads yeah yeah yeah. or or they're at a crossroads and there's a there's a real chance that you're about to lose your livelihood Mm -hmm. there's always a chance that you could start making you do stuff that you didn't know you had in you that that yeah. that there's always that possibility and to a certain point i think coaches do wait for it or they do try to do everything they can to pull it out but there's sometimes when you got to kind of cut bait man and, so- and and move on this feels like a relevant time then to bring up an adam brooks question who i feel like uh a nice guy, you know, not not a guy with a ton of snarl, not a ton of edge. Matt Amadio makes the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, looking at this and the, you know, the developments of from preseason, obviously he got some help with a couple of injuries here, but did you think there was any chance we were going to see a Matt Amadio uh, starting with the Leafs? It looks like playing night one. Well, he's got some experience under his belt too, right? He's in his mid-20s, and if I'm not mistaken, Sammy, he's got about 150 games under his belt. Um, so there's something to be said there that that there is a guy that can that can come in in a pinch and fill a role. Now, there are circumstances, of course, that have, have followed in the last 24, 48 hours, injuries, waiver, Matthews not being ready. But I, I will I will leave you with this this note that when I was with the Washington Capitals, there was a guy that was uh, up until that point a, pretty much a, a career minor leaguer in the American Hockey League. And sure enough, there's the opening day roster, and he's on it. Mm-hmm. And he is just beside himself. So the next day we have a, a luncheon to introduce our, our, our team, and I'm in the parking lot, and he buys the nicest shiniest new truck oh I've boy ever seen and i go oh my god that that is awesome truck and he goes yep just a little present for myself for making the team <laughs> 2 days later oh no sent to baltimore and his salary went from 110,000 a year to $25,000 a year. So, oh God. Amadio, <laughs> are you listening, pal? Yeah. Today doesn't mean tomorrow or the next day. That's the lesson in all of that. But good yeah. on him if he if he's there, then that's that's you, you can't get to the second step without taking that that first step and being on that roster no matter what the conditions are always always an accomplishment in it with within it itself is. but don't yeah. don't get too ahead of yourself that's my whole point i do want to clarify it's uh, michael amadio i said matt uh, michael amadio so kudos to him the um the one thing that sticks out to me is you know i talked on this show a couple times about puzzle pieces and what do you do and what's your role and how do you fit this guy is six foot two and 205 pounds he is going to be happy to be in the nhl and happy to play on the fourth line um, you know, it's a it's a role where you feel comfortable giving a guy ten minutes a night. He's not going to be tough and mean, and he's not going to fight anyone. He doesn't have to. He's he's got some skill. 
but at least he has some size that in those limited minutes you feel fine about using him on that spot. Adam Brooks, it was always a weird fit to me. Maybe Montreal play him as a third-line center or something, but it's a tough fit on the fourth line for me. Don't apologize for getting his name wrong. When he does something worthy in the NHL for the Toronto Maple Leafs, we'll get his name right. Uh, I love it. I love it. Till then, he could be (laughs) Bill by Thursday. Yeah, I guess it doesn't happen after you put a couple in for the Leafs, so we'll we'll get that sorted out. But yeah, it's you know there there is a matter of them putting this puzzle together. Uh, he seems like a really good fit on the fourth line. He did have a good preseason. You well, know, looking it, at yeah, they did what they needed to do. It really you really get the sense that uh, everybody just just did enough. But it's now okay. Who's Who's going to have that differential as early as Wednesday night? Who's going to come in and maybe maybe do the, the the little things and at times the things that can be a little bit greasier, dirtier, and that that to me, like you want to Engvalls of the world and 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 Matteo, you you got to be noticed, and it's not about scoring goals. It really isn't. It's just the it's the play between the goals that stands mm-hmm. out especially in the playoffs when it's 0-0 halfway through the second period. And I, I, that's the message I think Sheldon and, and some of them have to really drive through to some of these players that it's not Engvall. Like, do you, do you really think the Leafs need Engvall to, to worry about scoring goals? Or does he, do they yeah, need they him care. to go out there and just play like you're an NHLer when you're not scoring goals? That's... Well, yeah, that, yeah. to me, is the number one thing. And to me, that's also, your point is exactly where Nick Ritchie is either going to stay on the top line or he's not going to. Like, right now, the plan is for him to play on the first power play unit and to play alongside Tavares and Marner to start the season. And I believe if he plays that role this year, he's a 25-goal guy. But what's he going to do between the goals? You know, a lot of guys can score 25 goals on a line with two absolutely elite players. What are you going to do between those goals? You know, is there enough, enough, uh, whether it's snarl or just forechecking and net presence and all the other things they want the big body to do uh, to bring value in other areas? See, and I, I do see signs where he can get lost on a few shifts here and there. With, yeah. And you're not, there, there's going to be, there's going to be plenty of nights where the hit isn't there. Or the shot on goal isn't there, but there is a a sense that every time somebody out there has the ability to scare the snot out of somebody, it gets noticed, and that's just having a presence. And I think he's got to work on his presence when he's not scoring or not even hitting. Like mm-hmm. there, there, there. You know, I heard footsteps. Yes, you heard footsteps. If the footsteps are coming from someone that can, can make you worry and that's the part where richie's got to get down jb and lucic had it all his career right for the majority of his career he had that and he's got that right you know, screw loose though he has what you had he, well <laughs> you know? i don't necessarily yeah it's there's different ways i mean be your own loose screw Right, it's yeah. like a snowflake. They're all different, right? Just find it. I'm gonna get that and, embroidered and... on a pillow. Be your own loose <laughs> screw. It's a great message. <laughs> Speaking of screws loose, our next guest is a longtime Torontonian. Even goes back to my high school days at George Vanier. That's how far back. Gord Stellick goes now gord i don't know did you catch the beginning of the show we have before you come on you have to give us something that you're grateful for and you're not allowed to say uh family and friends because uh that's just boring well uh i guess i'm grateful to still be employed given no job's not allowed either we we want materialistic Hey, you know what? I'm grateful my days of George Vanier. You know, we had uh, not just uh, celebrities like you, Kippy. We had Alana Miles went there and, uh, oh. uh, you know, people like that, whatever. So I got a lot of great friends still from George Vanier up at the Peanut Plaza. So 
Um, I, I give thanks for that. And Kippy, how about you? You're the Buck Martinez. You're in the host chair now. You're, you're like, look at the, I give, I give thanks for Kippy still, still growing and expanding his horizons. And, uh, at, at, at this stage of his life, how about that? Get up, all get up, get up, puck, get up, puck. <laughs> Every time no. Riley lofts it in from the point, it's, it'll sound great. Gee, I, I lost the bet with JB. I said, uh, you're most grateful for, uh, the Dante's takeout menu. Oh, Dante's Fiesta. Okay. <laughs> that, that was when well, we ordered in food at Sportsnet. It's too long a story to explain. It was misrepresented the size of the actual Fiesta. When it came, it fit about 20, it, it, about 27 people could eat it. I actually made a good go of it, and I've never lived it down. Okay. Okay. We're grateful for that and, and the whole story in general. What are... What are the Leafs grateful for? What stands out for you, Gord, coming out of training camp uh, and and looking at uh, Montreal Wednesday night? Well, uh, what stands out is that it's over. Okay, it's just uh, you know, but actually, it's the first it's the first training camp Sheldon keeps really had. So, as a head coach, I think that's important. Uh, I you know, I think people try to read too much into things. Two years ago. The, the biggest story was Rasmus Sandin. Remember that? Remember Mike Babcock era and Rasmus Sandin, what, Game 7, went down to the American Hockey League, basically never to be seen again. But I like, uh, Kippy and Justin, that enough of the boxes were checked. You know, just about Nick Ritchie getting to assimilate himself. Um, you know, the D, you're, you're really hoping depth-wise, whether it's Sandin this time or others, can give you a, a more depth of D. The goaltending, uh, which you assume is going to be a good two-goaltender tandem, you know, did it well during the uh, did it well during the uh, preseason. What they only lost one game, so you know, I, I just found there were a lot of boxes that were checked. And uh, boy, uh, attrition-wise, you wondered. And some of those decisions now have come in a hurry. You got a significant injury to Mikheyev. You got a minor one to Matthews, and then you've lost Adam Brooks. So some of those kind of tough decisions uh, really. Well, I guess Adam Brooks, you consider one. That's one you you did by putting him on waivers. But uh, there's not a lot more that have to be made right now. This is a very generalist question for you here, Gord. But, I mean, you watch every single Leafs game, you know, pick through it with a fine-tooth comb. They any, are they better this year? Are they better this year? I, I am going, you know, you, you lose a couple of Zachs because I think Zach Bogosian was an underrated piece. So you'd look at it and say no. But then by virtue of another year of maturity, you'd like to think, you know, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, yes, although, you know, Marner's a top-five scorer. Matthews won the Rocket Richard Trophy. You know, what, what could you, you know, what more can you say? So, uh, I, I, I think, you know, you know really, Justin, during the, during the regular season, they did check all the boxes, to use that term I used earlier. I mean, for a 56-game regular season last year, you know, they came in first. There wasn't a lot left wanting. Uh, I, I don't think they've taken a significant step backward. I you know they're they're a, they're a playoff team from the Atlantic Division, and we got a whole lot of weeks and months before we have to talk about what's bit them in the ass the last couple of years being in the playoffs. But I I would say that they're as good as they were last year, which means they were good enough to finish first in the Scotia Bank Division, I, I Scotia North Division. Uh, I don't know if that I don't think that'll get you first in the Atlantic, but it'll get you in the playoffs. Should Leaf fans be concerned about Matthews and his wrist? It just seemed like if he wasn't going to get that last exhibition game, then he'd be ready for Wednesday. And it just seems a real extreme for me to not only say that he won't be ready Wednesday, he won't be ready the first three games. I that that yeah. that to me says he's he's hurting still. Yeah, you know, uh, and, and Kippy and, and Justin, you guys have both played at a higher level than me, and you know some of these. Uh, yeah, you you go back to the nagging groin Dominic Hasek had coming back from the Olympics, and it and it really wrecked the Ottawa Senators' season all those years ago because you know he wasn't able to come back. You think a couple of years ago, Rick Nash in New York had something that was nagging and really kept him out for months. So, um, you, like you think about Austin Matthews, he won the Rocket Richard Trophy with a wrist ailment for a big chunk of the season. So you look at what he was able to do, but it was noticeable when he wasn't quite a hundred percent. So you know, Kippy, I'm hoping. Okay, in an 82-game season, missing three, four, or five and getting it right, that's not a huge, huge deal. But is this the tip of the iceberg that, okay, a month down the road we're talking about, geez, that wrist is still slow to heal. So uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping that the three games is, is just it. But, yeah, it, it does throw something, a, a little bit of concern. It has to in the back of your mind.
Were you surprised to see uh, Michael Amadio be uh, you know make the Toronto Maple Leafs? I thought he had a good camp, but I, I'm a little surprised that uh, they took him over Brooks. Yeah, real surprised, real surprised. Uh, I mean, to to Sheldon Keith's credit, you know, he, he said, um, and Kippy would know this, and I, I and I mean this with respect, Kippy, when you're battling to be a third or fourth liner, right? You're hoping that when you battle and play well at exhibition games, that it matters, right? That it's not someone's already decided, and you've you you know you've worked you've worked your butt off and played better, but you're not in the lineup. So I, you know, I, I acknowledge that he, he saw something new in him. He I gave him a chance to play. And, you know, there's so many guys Sheldon Keefe knows from the American Hockey League because he was with the, so many of those guys, won a Calder Cup with them, but uh, in this case, opting to go with somebody different. So uh, he did catch my eye. I don't see him all the time like Sheldon Keefe and company do, but uh, I, I would guess if you asked about training camp in the old-fashioned uh, jobs being available, which there aren't so many anymore. Um, he was the guy that did win that one job that, you know, that seemed to be available. Gord, uh, we were having a conversation about Travis uh, Dermott and, and just, he, it just seemed about a year and a half, two years ago, he was really projected to be a top four type of guy and it has stalled. And I know we in the past have had a little bit of a conversation on on the Leafs organization as a whole and, and why that blue line has always kind of eluded them. They've never been able to have a real a factory of producing top D-men. They've always been, I think, there in the ballpark. But whether we're talking about uh, – Carlo Koliakovo or Drake Barahowski or, you know, some of these guys that may have been on the cusp of maybe they could, they could turn out to be, you know, great D it just never gets there. And is, is Travis Dermott going to be one of those guys where we say, yeah, it should have, should have ended a lot better. Yeah. You know, you had Stuart Percy a couple of years ago, man, he looked great for about five or six games in the NHL. He was a first round pick, uh, and that's why you're hoping in Sandy and in Lilligren, you invest, you know, first-round picks. You're hoping there's a decent chance they're going to play in the NHL. Dermott was a second-round pick, but still a high pick. And, you know, you know, Kippy, uh, and, and I don't, like, too many people single out the Galchenyuk faux pas and the Dermott faux pas in overtime against Montreal. I, I really like Dermott a lot. Quite often, you know, when you have a significant injury and coming back, um, you know, or I shouldn't say quite often, but sometimes it, it just doesn't seem you get as comfortable or assimilated. And, that, and I'm not saying that's a reason. I have absolutely no idea if that's a reason. But I, I agree with you that, you know, you're, you're saying, okay, on the Leafs D, you're, you're looking to get the best of Morgan Riley. Okay, when Morgan Riley's at his best as a top stud defenseman, I mean, he's not Seth Jones in that, but he's, he's not that far away from it. Okay, and then after that, you're hoping that Travis Dermott, can, you do, can he do the Justin Hall jump, right? Can he do that improvement that Justin Hall did in one season? And then you're hoping some of those other number one first-round picks can get acclimated. And, and uh, you're, 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 they've drafted so many forwards so well. I mean, they really have. And, and they don't have the stud D that they develop from within, and they don't have the stud goaltender to develop from within. And, and, uh, and that's been for a number of years. That, that predates this regime. Who sneezed? So, I <laughs> just texted Sam. I think your mic's on. Who sneezed? Uh, there you go. Someone catching a cold on our show. I had a little sneeze. Gord, did you start the car without your jacket this morning? I didn't sneeze. What are you talking about? I picked up a sneeze. I'm the host. I can pick up the sneeze. There you go. I was going to take it to, uh, you know, you mentioned Justin Hall, who kind of got his face punchicized for free by Sabrin the other night. How did you feel about Wayne Simmons uh, going back and trying to make that right? It's a preseason game. You still got time for the retribution aspect in preseason? Well, you know, um, just I, I, I hate to bring up the thing as long as you don't get hurt. I guess that's the time for it. That's what Wayne sure. Simmons does. That's and, and you know that's one thing that 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 the documentary All or Nothing did show about um, the appreciation his teammates have for it. I think a lot of fans nowadays don't buy into it the same way, and it, and it no nowhere near is the same way as it was decades ago. But you know it was a uh, it, it wasn't like Justin Hall made a dirty hit on Sabrin, but Sa- or excuse me uh, made made a dirty hit on Stutzla. But Sabrin knows his only way. No, it was it was it was dirty, Gord. Gord, it was you know you run a guy hard in the boards. You're trying to hurt him. Okay, I don't know how to explain it to anybody any more than that. Okay, I I don't appreciate it as a teammate. I watch a guy take a healthy run at somebody along the wall, 
and it's to hurt. So I don't really care if you deem it dirty or not. I'm I'm coming after you. Okay, so let's 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 not call it dirty. So let's uh, a hard hit. And if you're gonna you know come after you know that's fine. And 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 you know you don't you know nowadays it's uh, it's not in the game as much, but it certainly is appreciated by teammates that if you are going to do that, that you know there's going to be a price to pay. You know later on. I mean, uh, I think too many of us look back at the whole Corey Perry thing and this whole dysfunctionalness. Why why did Nick Foligno? make him fight particularly if Nick Foligno wasn't a hundred percent did he get hurt more in the you know fight like it it just was I think I think a lot of Toronto people didn't buy in, yeah. in into the code in that particular situation but, but no cool if you say, and I didn't case. either Gord I didn't either okay I think I think Nick Foligno misread that I think he yeah. he did what he probably thought was expected of himself but that that energy wasn't there for Nick Foligno to to take that fight at that at that moment and I, I, it's hard. I like I. There's some guys that can really, really read the tea leaves on on when and where, and then there's others that have a difficult time. And you know, I had um, Anthony Stewart on earlier today, uh, Justin and I, and I liked what Wayne Simmons did, but I, I thought he should have done it a lot earlier. That that way, there's no there's no lulls into how we feel. And I hope that there's more out of. Curtis Gabriel that can support Wayne, but Wayne Wayne's going to have to do that over 82 games. He's going to have to do that a lot more than he did last year. Well, that's what he that's what he does well. He was hurt for such a big chunk, but you know uh, his uh, yeah, and, and he and he's, and he's waiting to get like whatever the best chunk of last season, and he had a little bit of it. I mean, keep in mind New Jersey, Nashville, Buffalo. His stops the last couple of years haven't really worked out all that well. So, you know, you want to get the best of Wayne Simmons. And, again, to go back, Kippy, I, I mean, okay, that that's fine about the reaction. I, I don't consider it a dirty hit. And probably I'm overthinking about guys getting hurt in exhibition season. And you, you really can't play all those games just not to get hurt because those, inju- those injuries are going to happen at some point. So looking around the, uh, the rest of the Leafs division this year, um, you know, I was trying to suss out who, basically, who they're better than. Like Florida looks to be really, uh, you know, really decent, uh, potentially one of the best teams in the division. Do you think that they're a, a team that sort of? Well, a lot of people think Florida might win the division. Where do you see the Leafs in regards to Tampa Bay, Boston, and Florida? Yeah, well, you know, first, Justin, I as as time has gone on now, uh, like last year, the the Scotia Bank uh, North of the Scotia North Division, you know, six of seven teams had a real good chance to make it, right? And I knew that there'd be two teams bitterly disappointed that they didn't. I'm looking at this right now, and I'm saying, whoa, you know, particularly Ottawa without Brady Kachuk, not that they were going to be in the playoffs, but I don't even know if they're, I, I think they might take a step backward, which would be terrible. Buffalo, Detroit, and now I'm throwing Montreal in the mix. Like, I know Montreal fans will get angry, say, oh, well, everyone didn't pick us last year on the playoff run, but you don't have Carey Price, you don't have Shea Weber, even Kakanyemi, because you got draft picks back, he was a big part in the playoffs. I'm, I'm almost thinking those four teams are home and cooled out. As far as maybe Montreal will battle, but really those four teams are home and cooled out. The next part of your question, uh, I mean, I don't. It's going to be to me real tough for Tampa Bay to win the Stanley Cup three years in a row. Uh, I still think they're going to win, uh, be the first place team during the regular season, and after that, there's no reason for me why the Leafs can't be second. You know, ahead of Boston and Florida. I'm, I'm not saying they will, but there, there's no way they can be worse than fourth. But I'll say they battle for second. I'm with you. I, I watched Ottawa last night, and I, we know that uh, Kachuk's missing. But, like, if you're Pierre Dorian, why would you ever, ever come out before training camp and essentially say, our rebuild is over? Like, why would you do that? You're... Your line is from Charlie Brown. You don't give up your security blanket before the season starts. You got to come back to that. You got to come back to we're still in the build. No. Well, you don't hear Steve Eiserman saying things like that, right? He just went about and did it in Tampa Bay, and people in Detroit just say, "Okay." And Steve, we trust. He doesn't make grandiose statements. You're, boy, how, how does Pierre Dorian like sitting beside Pierre Maguire at all those games? And I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying anything personal about those guys. I'm just saying, oh boy, if some, I, 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 if someone gets hired that job by the owner, man, I'm just like, so you start with that, 
And then, yeah. uh, okay, you got to get better goaltending. Who knows if they're going to get it or not. And the other thing, Kipper and Justin, okay, when Willie Nylander went to the 11th hour and 59th minute, the least forwards also include Tavares, Austin Matthews, and Mitch Marner that were playing every night. This is your guy in Iowa. This is your heart and soul guy in Ottawa. Like, you ain't got a chance. I mean, th- so this is the guy that can't go to the 11th hour and 59th minute without getting something done. So that, I'm not saying it's the sole reason about it, but that's when you're trying to get all the other things done right and you, you know, you flippantly say you've, you've finished the rebuild where, you, where there's a lot where there's work still to do. And then your one guy you're, with the intangibles and the tangibles is not in the lineup. Mm. Yeah, you wonder if that uh, kind of hurts Brady's uh, negotiating power because without him, they might be so bad they want they're they're going to bottom out anyway. You know, it's like what are we going to bring this guy back for to hurt our draft pick? It is it's a different scenario in in Ottawa. Uh, looking around the rest of the NHL, uh, we've been talking quite a bit about Jack Eichel uh, in in that scenario and what's going on there. Obviously, that's uh, has ramifications within the division as well. How have what, what's your take on how that's all shook out and kind of what's gonna what's gonna happen next here? But, Justin, here you've touched on there's, there's going to be a real subculture in the NHL now that hasn't been there since Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews went back-to-back in 2015-2016. And it, it, Ottawa and Buffalo, they both want to tank it. You know what? Get, get, take your shot at something special. The next two years, there's something special, number one overall. So it's almost like I don't even know if you want your assets now because you absolutely want to tank and get the, get the luck of the Irish or whatever Brendan Shanahan got okay. that, that day on the draft lottery. Because uh, you're, you're, you're going to, you know, you're going to see teams that they're, they're, there's, it's not Nico Heischer that's number one overall this right. year, Lafrenia. I mean, wow. So, 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 so the first part is, uh, I, I think, and, and also fans start to accept that because the lure of getting Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews is something that can, you know, help you get through a horrible season. But, oh my you know, gosh. but, but, in, you know, but yeah, but in it's Buffalo, a really like, horrible season. Well, yeah, but 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 also Kipper, what can, what can you give up? Like, unless you do an NFL trade, okay, a total draft pick NFL trade that you say to Buffalo, okay, here are the draft picks, and they're conditional on all these kinds of things about Jack Eichel. Otherwise, you can't give them a top prospect and then say, you know, a year later, give me that guy back because Jack Eichel didn't play enough games. Like, I don't I don't know how you do a trade that way, and I really am starting to think more and more that, hey, they've, we- they've weathered the storm, and I mean a negative storm. You just mentioned it, like in, and it, it might just get uglier and uglier, but you know, part of that storm is trying to get one better, not the second overall pick like they got Eichel, but be right up there in the lottery and try to get that number one overall pick, and when Eichel's healthy, then make some kind of deal. You've been in a position, Gordon, your career where you've had to handle uh, ownership course the Harold Ballard eras here and the right. Kevin Adams has the Pagulas are you telling me right now that he's got a credit card now to completely suck I hear no one right now it's or it's a tough sell tickets selling tickets to the hockey game is a really tough sell in Buffalo they can go the whole season and keep selling this dysfunction and and not worry about the ramifications down the road well you know well the 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 sell about doing it right and who who buys in or not fan wise i mean hey the toronto may police bought in that austin matthews year okay about uh we got to go ugly now you're to your point that you're correct it wasn't like three ugly seasons but there were a lot of seasons not making the playoffs it was it was a whack of them and you know toronto fans toronto fans put up with it the other part is those are great fans in Buffalo. Those are great hockey fans in Buffalo. You know, they, they are. They are. So, yeah, you, you may have a dip, but, but they will come back. But uh, I, I'm just saying, like, uh, you know, as, uh, as hey, and, and, if, and if somebody, if one of those teams, if a goaltender gets hot, that can give you a respectable season. You get a hot goaltender uh, on a bad team. You know, John Gibson did in Anaheim before. You had Mika Kiprasov in Calgary for so many years that at least can give you something respectable after the disaster that last year was. But, yeah, I mean, if, if you're among the worst teams, uh, you know, Detroit tickets don't go the same like they used to. Uh, you know, when you, when, you, when you struggle for so many years, I mean, that, that goes with the territory. So, so you're right. At some point, you got to write it. I don't know if Buffalo fans actually believe that there's a plan or not. I don't know. Uh, but right now they can be distracted by the Pagula-owned Buffalo Bills, I guess. 
All right, we're going to take a break here, Gord. This is the part where I usually say goodbye to my guests, but uh, you're awesome. We just love this electricity. Uh, if it, can you stick around after the break? Because I want to get into the a little bit of the New York Rangers and their decision to not name a captain to start the season. We do know uh, the Leafs went through uh, a year with a captain. After they got Tavares, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Do you want to stick around, Gord, or are you racing to the cranberry sauce right now? I will. I will gladly stick around because you know back in back in '94, you would have been one of the six alternates if they went that way. So I'll gladly I'll gladly <laughs> stick around. All right, we'll go back to Gord Stellick after the break. Hockey Insider, host of Leaf Nation on the Fan Five Ninety and Sportsnet. We'll be back on Real Kipper and Born. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, and for a bonus coverage, we kept Gord Stellick. What a guy. On for this segment, and also to give his family a chance for second helpings (laughs) on this Thanksgiving day here in Canada. Now, hey, Justin, Justin, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you know, you know why I hesitate about coming on. I'm still sour. So this is like eight, nine years ago. Kippy yeah. calls me because he's got a car snafu. So I'm going to give him a ride to Sportsnet at 401 in McCowan, right? Yeah. So yeah. I go pick him up at Stately Kiprios Estates in Leaside before he had Stately Kiprios Estates in Rosedale and, you know, whatever. I pick him up, right, go out of my way, and we drive, and he is busting me about my driving. He's busting me. I, I'm doing the favor, and he is all over me about my driving. And um, so I, ju- I just had to give it I, – I give thanks now, Kippy, that I, I've exercised that demon, okay? I, I'm not saying that you were slow, Gord, but there was a dog <laughs> pissing on our wheel. <laughs> Hey, speaking of slow, you see that segue? I'm so good. good. A radio. I'm so good. The New York Rangers probably didn't have the training camp that they were going to hope for. But one of the stories here, Gord, is I got the sense that they were going to make naming a captain uh, a little bit of a priority here. And all we had heard now that uh, uh, they're they're not going with a captain. They're going to do that uh, alternate captain thing, and uh, the likes of Panarin, uh, Truba, Kreider, Zabanajad, Strom. I mean, it's Goudreau. It seems like half half their team's going to be an an alternate captain. I'm a captain guy, and I I think it's fairly clear who 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 the leaders are, who the alpha dogs are in your room, and yet. Um, I, I just wonder why what, what the Rangers are, are thinking here, and I don't. A couple of weeks ago, Panarin actually came out and said, "I didn't. I, I don't want it. I don't want it." And I, I thought that was a huge Bolt. mistake. But what are your thoughts, Gord, about the Rangers and captaincy? And you know, when we're talking about original six, this is this is a pre- prestigious thing. Yeah, yeah, it, it it means more. You're right. You're right. For original sixteen, you played with two great ones in in Messier and then Matt Sundin. I mean, two great ones. And the the only read I get, I, I wondered if Mika Zibanejad, once they signed him, might that be part and parcel? So so Justin and Kippy, you know, we're not in the dressing room. Um, we you know where, where there's a more accurate read on things. I okay. To, what pops to my mind is. Okay, is this going to be Adam Fox's? Is that is that the deal? Is that the idea that that's the big guy they got to get? Zabanajeg was this year. Fox is the guy. He's he's the Brian Leach type guy that they're going to sign, have to sign for the foreseeable future. Is it would that be really important to him? So it's something that you're looking that you can't do now because you know you ha- you, you got to get the next step that big RFA contract done. Because otherwise, I'm with you. Uh, this was the year, get a C. I, I like that the Leafs, you know, didn't do it one year, but then, you know, gave it to John Tavares. And he's, you know, beyond more, aside from Morgan Riley, to me, he was the right guy to get it. And uh, and so that is my only read I could see out of New York is that, and justifiably so, they think so highly uh, of Adam Fox that they're saving it for one step more down the road. 
you know, one thing that we think is important around these parts is to pin people down on what the Seattle, they think the Seattle Kraken are before we're, uh, before it happens. Cause that, you know, a lot of us were not in on Vegas, but if you didn't have to make your prediction publicly, you looked like a genius. If you said, I saw it coming. So uh, going around the league a little bit, jumping to Seattle, where are you on what this team is going to be this year? Well, you know, they're fortunate. The Pacific division is like the old, old Norse division days that I was with the Leafs with being in the weakest division. Only two of the eight teams made the playoffs last year. Now, granted, Seattle wasn't in the NHL. So uh, uh, where, where I have them, Justin, is uh, I think they'll be respectable, but a repeat of Vegas is just not going to happen. I, I, I got them. I only got three teams from the Pacific making the playoffs, but I, I just think they'll come close, but but not quite to the, the Vegas Golden Knights level. I'm glad they have a res, really respectable goaltender, but uh, that that's kind of where, where I have them heading heading into the season. So just just to go back on on a little bit of a, a captain captain's uh, theme here, because you know uh, Justin brought up the Kraken, and I can tell you that uh, even even before the expansion draft, Seattle had made it abundantly clear to Mark Giordano, you will be a Kraken, and you are the next captain of or, or their first captain, not the next, the first. You will be the captain of this team. And I'm, I'm going, how do they know that before expansion? And the Rangers don't know who their captain is. And I'll even pull this back to the Toronto Maple Leafs guys. You know, three years ago, they go make this huge commitment to a guy that's in his prime and arguably one of the top centermen, you know, certainly the top centermen available. How did the Leafs not know after 10 years of being on the island as the captain of the New York Islanders that this guy was not the next captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs? Like, how do you not know? Well, okay, so in in Tavares' case, um, to bring somebody new and make him the captain in an existing surrounding, um, uh, it, it, I, I don't know if it's optics that you don't do it. I don't know, but um, you what know, optics? Kind of he's your guy. Well, he's your guy. Uh, but he also, had, you know, where, where Giordano's playing with a new team, they're all new that way. I mean, I, again, uh, hey, I go back to the game. They had to sign those other guys, right? I don't know. They they had to put they had to sign Matthews Marner and, and those guys. I don't know if that factored into not fully giving the C away in Toronto at that point. But the other thing was just that he had not been around those guys. So why not rather than coming in lead right away a team that you've never played with? So uh, in Giordano's case, uh, they he's he's the perfect kind of leader in in Seattle, and and I, I can see that coming to a more of a sell. Vegas didn't have a captain. Their first year, either they, you know, a little bit different. But in Giordano's case, I guess that's the right kind of guy. But uh, I, I, uh, I, but I, I agree about having a C. And I, I mean, going back to the New York case, uh, I'd have a C there. But the Toronto case, Kippy, I'd say I could see where they wanted to give Tavares some time rather than being uh, first game with new new guys, and all of a sudden you're the leader of this team. You're trying to get to know. That's all I can but, say. But you got a bunch of kids in Matthews and Marner, and then you have this. Justin, you have this veteran who's coming off uh, being an uh, an all-star for the Islanders and a gold medalist for Team Canada and a true captain, a franchise type of guy in the island all these years, and yet you want to wait? Why were they waiting a whole year for Tavares? Listen, because the they thought of maybe giving it to Matthews and learning. No, I think he because they know he's going to come in and he has to listen and learn the way they do things. It's tough to ask a guy to lead when he's coming in to initially follow. You know, I, I get them like let him get his feet wet, let him get his feet under him a little bit. But it actually it's related to where I wanted to go with Gord. Is you know when Gord first started answering this question, he goes, you know, aside from Riley, and then we carried on. Well, what's the deal with Morgan Riley? Why does this guy not exist? We have the All or Nothing series here. All or nothing series where he's barely in it. The captain's conversation. What what, what is this guy doing wrong? What am I missing? Yeah, you know, and, he, and he's. Uh, I just found that when the season ended, because fans are when I when I say the word drivel, uh, I'm not meaning it to be critical of the team, even though even though it sounds like I'm, it's kind of like what the hell can they say again after getting eliminated the way they do? But I find Morgan Riley just chooses his words better that way. That he's one I could listen to rather than you know, the, the cliches with others. So I, I'm with you. It, it, it's funny. And uh, Zibanejad getting done and Barkov getting done, Seth Jones, they decided that uh, they're not going to go through that 
year when you become a UFA. I guess that lame duck year, it's more, I mean, and Tavares might have been the guy that started that, that what the New York Islanders went through, teams now are looking at it quite a bit differently in order to, you know, get to the, the end line. And yet Morgan Riley's going to be that guy. So, I, you know, he's a, he's a leader. He's got good things to say. He's got an interesting personal life, you know, with, uh, with someone quite famous. But uh, evidently, uh, whether it was choice by him, I don't know. And, that, and that's kind of with the all or nothing thing. There's, there's parts you know uh, that are missing about, you know, wait a second, that person has to be around a little bit more. Right. Where did that person all of a sudden, all of a sudden disappear to? So uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's part and parcel with, uh, with the fact that he can walk as a UFA this year. I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe the writing was on the wall the moment uh, they, they upped everybody and they didn't think Morgan had a long-term future with the Leafs. Well, it's, uh, you know, and again, it goes back to about trying to get that stud defenseman. And, and again, we, we don't have a Seth Jones in Toronto, but, but boy, he's, uh, you know, TJ Brody played well, but, but Morgan just had that or seems to have that kind of potential to get to that level. I, I just think he's, uh, uh, he's, a, he's that's going to be a big loss, like to, to lose if, if he goes. I mean, that's a long way down the road, but he's the Freddie Anderson this year, isn't he, Kippy and Justin, that uh, – uh, if they don't have a good playoff, then you just the guy leaves with a whimper rather than a bang. If they have a great playoff, then all of a sudden, oh my God, oh my God, we got to figure a way to keep Morgan Riley. Or if they don't, just you know whatever, and uh, just mix the band up, and fans don't care so much. Yeah, you made an interesting comment about uh, Fox in in New York, and and I don't know, are they waiting for him? But he also needs a What's new right contract, now? Gordon. He's coming off a Norris Trophy, like I would yeah. think. You know, coming off Zabatajad's uh, 8.5, that this guy would be minimum a nine or ten million dollar defenseman, and and if the cap goes up, maybe that's even higher. Justin, uh, how hard is it going to be for them to sign him? Because the Rangers' issues will come next season uh, when they have to sign this guy. Yeah, it just feels like there's a number of teams around the league that don't want to give it to a guy when he's too young but they don't want to take it off someone's sweater either to give it to that player when they think that player is ready. You remember, was it Landis Gog who's got it, who got it super young? Like, it's uncommon that teams want to add that pressure to a guy. Gord, I don't know if you think it's a pressure-related thing why you wouldn't want to give it to a young guy if you saw that coming. Well, no, no, 100%. And you, 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 want, to get, you want to figure out about having the maturity in that to handle it. Uh, but I, uh, I think... At that point, hey, the league's just flat out got younger. Uh, you know, the, the kids aren't kids anymore. They're 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 mature. They get way more media scrutiny in NCAA situations or junior situations from, you know, when 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 say Kipper played in that. Oh, so you, you got to kind of grow up in a hurry. He's been in New York for a few years and thrived there. So uh, so that that that's that's the gauge that that I, I just think there. And the other part about the money, I mean, you know, never mind Seth Jones. What about Zach Wierenski? Look what he got. Like, you know, look what Petrangelo got. Like, like it's it, the D are the ones getting paid, right? Like Taylor Hall had to walk around, couldn't get a deal that he thought he was going to get in cap world, you know, when that were or flat cap world. And, and we see time and time again that the D are the ones, and whether that's, you know, Morgan Riley next year or Adam Fox as a Norris guy, so you're looking at a different amount of money. But, but those, are the, those are the toughest ones to sign. Just touching on uh, one more thought on, on Eichel. Uh, it, it's pretty clear, guys, to everybody that uh, Kevin Adams lost a, a, a bargaining chip with the New York Rangers with Zabatajad's contract here. So where does it now go? It, uh, Anaheim, Calgary, I hear St. Louis. What are your thoughts? Yeah, New York. Well, again, uh, Kippy and Justin, when uh, – when the when he's somewhat healthy, like, like the other part is usually when you go in the tank, all of a sudden you get interested in the deal. So some team that starts, you know, three and eleven, all of a sudden are trying to find ways to get that proverbial son in their lineup. That maybe you know there's pressure that way. But if the guy can't play, if he's if he's hurt, you know there's there's, there's not that kind of pressure because he's not going unless people think it's great that you got him and the, that'll uh, they'll wait out the season to get him back at the end. So uh, I I just like I just see this thing going along, but if you are in a funk and you, you know, you're in cap trouble like the Rangers are, you figure a way to get out of it. That's the other challenge. So you know, you go to your Seattle's or Ottawa's or Arizona's and unload a dog contract, and uh, and and that 
gives you some room to facilitate making that kind of move. So uh, I, I think that would bring more teams back into the mix that way. But yeah, you're right. Right off the bat, when you're just thinking strict caponomics now, uh, the New York Rangers, who had a lot of money coming back with you know Lundqvist and a couple of contracts that were off the books now, uh, as far as the, the dead weight went or dead money went, uh, it, it's all full again. Justin, you got an odds-on favorite where Eichel ends up? You know, I, I keep... I, I've been thinking the Rangers the whole way along, you know, seeing the Zibanejad deal, does that does change that a little bit? It just feels like they have the perfect sort of package. But how about out west? How about someone like the Ducks? So someone at some point turning this thing around. So it's a... Uh, I don't really have an odds-on favorite, but I guess just like everyone else, trying to figure out who would make sense. Calgary could do it. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one to guess at. One more for you, Gord, before we let you get back to the uh, the table, the uh, <laughs> pumpkin pie and ice cream on the side. Are you whipped cream or are you vanilla uh, with your pumpkin pie? Uh, vanilla. Vanilla. Yeah. Justin? Yeah, straight up. I'm Jimmy Vesey. Straight up. Straight up vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> I like the little whipped cream. OV. Day to day. And it does make you wonder now, uh, especially with a, his new deal and all the talk. Uh, Gord, I think you had a chance to catch up to Wayne Gretzky, if I'm not mistaken, and how excited he is at the possibility of Ovi breaking his all-time goal scoring record. But does his last injury remind you how difficult this task is because it sure does me well first of all Wayne Gretzky says he's excited and and he's a class act so you've got it but I mean I, I wouldn't be excited about someone breaking my record but anyway Wayne Gretzky says he's excited about that possibility but Kippy you know bang on health 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 and uh, you know, once you you know, once you get older, and he's been he's been remarkable. Uh, but uh, you know, you look, Patrick Marlowe had that remarkable run of good health as well. I don't think I don't think age. I think age wise, right now, Obi's not like aging like Marlowe has the last couple of years, for example. But health, health, health is going to be the key. And you know, unfortunately, pandemic world, whatever number of games, uh, you know, it'll cost you probably about half a season all told with the reduction in the two season schedules and. You know, that that might just be enough to do it. And, and you, you know, do you want to see him hang? Like, I can't see a point where the guy's scoring, like, four goals a year at the end and he hangs around for another year to try to get three or something. You know, so he's he's uh, been able he's been able to produce like that. That's what's been impressive. I think a lot of people, right, right Justin, that said there's no way he's going to get it, all of a sudden the last couple of years had to rethink it because, you know what, this scoring machine hasn't been stopping. But now – the the, uh, the the human side and, and the mortality sides come into play a little bit. I, I can't believe for one second that uh, the way this guy has played over his career, it, it's, it's already remarkable that he's been able to, to, to not to avoid the big one or to avoid, you know, even, even little ones that kind of tag on and, and irritate you throughout a season. It is phenomenal. And I remember having a conversation, I think, two two or three years ago with David Amber. And David brought it up and, you know, started doing the math. And I'm like, the only thing I could think of is the, the odds-on favorite of this guy continuing to have the health that he has in the manner that he plays the game. And I just watched that freak accident on, on the weekend uh, where he goes down, Justin, and it's like, that that's the way the real world works, yeah. right? Where you just you go in and it, and it's an innocent bump, and the next thing you know, you're you're you're, you're this Charlie horse blows up on you like a a balloon. Yeah, that that is the real world. It's been miraculous. I've always it's never fun to be the doubter, but I am because of that reason. I have been a little bit of a doubter. Uh, Gordo, happy Thanksgiving, my man. We really appreciate you joining us, and thank you for the extra time today. You're the best. Well, no problem. I think, Robert, the chocolates with Bristol's cream sherry are coming out here, so this is good timing for me, okay? Save me one, Gord. Please save me one. <laughs> okay. Kippy, will do. Justin, All right. you're loving the, loving the show. Keep it up, okay? Thanks, Appreciate Gord. It, Thank you. Hockey insider and host of Leaf Nation on the Fan 590 and Sportsnet. He doesn't disappoint, that guy. No. No, it was, uh, he's, he's a lot of fun. Uh, you guys go way back, huh? Tell me about uh, his driving, Kippy. <laughs> listen, I'm telling you, it, it's 
if you are in uh, remotely in a hurry, he's not the guy for you. It is Sunday driving every day of the week with Gord behind the wheel. So not still electricity then? No, no, no. Uh, Steve saves that for his takes. Electricity was never invented with him behind the wheel. Okay, <laughs> he's not a Tesla. No, 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 yeah. no, no. Um, but uh, you know, just kind of go back to the Rangers a little bit. Yeah. Um, I was really taken back by Panarin and how adamant he was that he did not want the captaincy. And even if you don't want it, do not come out and say stuff like uh, it's too much work, the energy that you need between periods to motivate guys. It's it's just it's too much work for me. And I'm like, oh, my God, you make 11 million bucks. You're on the New York Rangers. Don't tell people that. You know, it do is, not tell people that. It's one of two things. You either don't accept like one of the highest paying contracts in the NHL for the New York Rangers. So you either don't accept it or you do accept it. And then you take on a large responsibility with the team. You know, like uh, to me, that's part and parcel. If if you're getting paid money to be the guy, you have to go be the guy. You don't get to take the money and say, I'm just kind of a secondary, you know, sort of a, a wallflower here with the team. It's, I mean, at least fake it. At least fake well, it. Where the C? Well, the other thing too is, and I will say this from from you know personal experience from team to team is that that that's where you have a, a PR department, uh, Justin. That's where you have people constantly there to help you, support you, and uh, I think Elliot in his last uh, thirty-two thoughts mentioned uh, a gentleman by the name of John Rosasco, who was with the Rangers for over 30 years. And that, that was his job, you know, yeah. whether it was Messier, Leach, Yager, even Chris Drury, when he was the captain and, and now Panarin that he constantly worked with those guys and, and made sure that they were prepared or, or, or the way, uh, uh, the best that they can be prepared to face the media. And, uh, he's no longer now with the Rangers, and I think now he's a specialist. He's doing some work for Brendan Shanahan with the Leafs, which would be great for the likes of Matthews and Marner and the rest mm-hmm. of them too. But, you know, if I think if if someone like Rosasco was down there, I, I'm not even sure Panarin would, would say the things that he said, you know. But, but that's, <laughs> that, that's the organization staying on top of those situations. Mm-hmm. You know, did you – did you want your captain to be a vocal guy in the dressing room or do you want someone to lead? Cause you look at the Tavares thing and the way it played out in all or nothing. And they kept hammering the home, the point right from the start of the series that he was someone that led by example, you know, it's not a vocal thing. Just watch him and follow. And he doesn't have to say much. And you, you would think that Panarin could have at least been that guy. Does he have to say stuff? Well, you want to be fair to, for, fair to John and, um, you know what needs to be said and when it's said only he knows and his teammates know but that's to to your point that's not what they perceived that's not what they 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 led you to believe and to to answer your your question i want my captain to to lead in every which way when there needs to be something said he says it when there needs to be something done on the ice he does it when there's something off the ice that says that uh this is what we're going to do then you have to have that presence constantly. And yeah, so I, you, you had Messier. It's, it's not overrated mm-hmm. to have that alpha dog in the room. And there can only be one. There can't be two. And I'll go back to Justin, the Pittsburgh Penguins, when they fro- first came in. There was a lot of internal between Malkin and Crosby. And... And I don't want to say that there was some jealousy or there was some one-upmanship, but there just seemed to be a little bit of a, a competition there. Mm-hmm. And I think when things really came together for Pittsburgh was when Malkin said, I'm not the alpha dog. Right. Okay. Sid is the guy, and I'll happily play right behind him. And I yeah. think that's when that's when it's best and there can only be that one guy i don't think i don't look at john tavares as the alpha dog in that room i don't it's matthews i it it could be morgan riley 
yeah. right? And I don't know. You you talk to some guys, and it could even be Mitch Marner, according to some. But yeah. it just, I don't get the sense that that's John Tavares's room. I just know that there were times in my career, and maybe this is why guys were in the minor leagues, but like where there were captains who the team was just like, will this guy shut up? You know, like there is guys who are excited to talk in the room and think it's a part of being a captain, and they talk every intermission, and they talk before the game, and they talk after the game, and it's like, oh, my God. You know, so there are some people who want to be that talkative guy. I never played for the more talkative guys and found what they had to say all that valuable. So the way that Tavares is, you know, the way they led us to believe Tavares leads, I like. And I see, you know, with a guy like Panarin, where you could have that talk where they just where you just say, bring it every night. You don't have to be rah-rah. Guys don't need you to be a cheerleader in the dressing room. You know, I, I hear you saying that you found it good, and the, you know, when there are guys that can pipe up, and that's great. But I don't know. You think you could sell it to the guy, just go play. Well, you, you're absolutely right that you just can't say it for the sake of saying it because uh, it's expected of you. It's not, it's, it's not uh, how you say it. It's what you say and uh, how it affects the group. That's yeah. that's the bottom line, and but I believe out of twenty guys in that room that are playing, there can only be one guy. You just got to make sure it's the right guy, because yeah. if it's how, not, then you, then you've got some other issues. How funny is it? Have you ever been in a dressing room where there's a guy who never says anything, who actually speaks up, and you're like, oh my god, we haven't <laughs> heard from the guy, you know, the, ever. And all of a sudden, you're motivated. You're like, yes, that carried weight because he clearly cares because he never talks. Right. Now it's serious. Yeah. Before it was like, yeah, whatever. But now it's serious. Yeah. Oh, the, the, the quiet Czech guy who barely knows English suddenly is on, you know, standing up and speaking. We, he must want to win. Let's go, boys. Let's go. And it starts Wednesday night for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Game one, the league gets uh, going Tomorrow as well with two games on tap. And tomorrow, Justin, uh, we're going to get in a little bit, uh, some predictions and our thoughts, not only uh, around the Toronto Maple Leafs, but maybe around the, the league in general. You ready to do that? Yeah, that's good. It's good to get it on the record so we, uh, you know, can look like idiots down the road. <laughs> that was a fast Canadian Thanksgiving show. It was. Ho- hope it's a good one for you the rest of the way, bud. All right. Our thanks to Anthony Stewart, Gord Stellick, and of course... Justin Bourne. Thanks for listening to Real Kipper and Bourne. We're right back at it tomorrow.